Hi, welcome to Coming to America, a new podcast where we tell stories of immigrants in the United States. I am Ed Halla, originally from the Czech Republic, and I've been living in the States since June 11th, 2001. As you might know, everyone around the world calls the USA America, and I feel that America for an outsider is an idea, a place, and sometimes even a dream. So here in our podcast, we will talk to people that decided to leave everything behind and made the bold move to call America their new home. Now, today's <laughs> guest is Alina and uh, Alina Alcheva from Donetsk, Ukraine. She moved here in 2000. She works as a senior administrator for enterprise analytics data engineering at Nike, currently lives in Portland, Oregon, with her husband, and a full disclosure, her husband is our producer, Zach, and two cats. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Nice. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. I want to just say at the beginning, I actually caught myself when we discuss you coming on our podcast as I have a prejudice against immigrants because you moved here when you were how old? I was six years old when S I moved here. Six yeah. years old. Mm -hmm. And my prejudice was, well, she's not immigrant enough <laughs> because she moved here in six, you know, six years old. Yeah. Um, and then we met for a coffee, which was great. And I realized that your experience is as, you know, immigrant as mine when I moved here in 26 or 27 years old. So that's what we will talk about today. Mm -hmm. So how was Ukraine when you grew up there? Yeah, thank you for rekindling that trauma for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the podcast about <laughs> we are healing powers here. You, yeah. you will you will left. Uh, this and, is my free therapy. Exactly. For... <laughs> and mine too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was young, I have very fond memories. I was born in 95. So that was you know, just a couple of years after yeah. Soviet Switch. Union. Yeah. So uh, we lived in a more industrial area, but my parents, my grandparents had a uh, beautiful beach home by the sea. And oh, nice. Yeah. I, you know, I think because I moved when I was so young, I, and we moved not having any family mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my early memories were filled with family, with my yeah. grandparents, with cousins, with, um, you know, going to the beach. Uh, all of that was very fond, you know. So, yeah. 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 So Donetsk uh, is a Detroit of Ukraine. Would you agree with that? I, I think that could be a fair comparison. Yeah. I, I think especially because it was... Heavy you, industry, right? Yeah, very industrial. Um, it was a mining town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it developed very quickly. And they had, you know, a really large soccer stadium. Shakhtar. Shakhtar, yes, yes. I know, I know. And I love that. <laughs> My dad's still favorite, favorite football team. They play somewhere else now, right? Because it's war. Yes. I actually don't know where. Yeah, they play somewhere else. I think it's one of the Ukrainian cities. Yeah. No, they cannot because it's a Russian occupied now. Yeah. We'll find out later. But yeah, yes. Shakhtar is no more, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Which sucks. It does. It does really suck. Um, 
I loved being there. I uh, would visit after we moved. We'd visit during the summers, yeah. my mom and I. And yeah, I think there was there was just a lot of good memories associated with it. I think also uh, so much interest from people, from my family and from my, my friends about America, what it, yeah. what it's like to live here. What is it like to live here? What do you tell them? Well, when I was younger, I think... Uh, I think when I was younger, I was just trying to be as normal as possible. <laughs> when you go visit, right? You, yes. You're trying to tone yeah. down your Americanness, Ameri American I, yes. thing. Yes. And yeah, I yeah. think on the reverse, growing up here, trying to assimilate and be as American as possible, and then coming back and being as Ukrainian as possible. I think that's something that's pretty common that I've heard amongst. Yeah first-generation immigrants who were young yeah. when they came here? So no, I, I have the same. I have the mm -hmm. same. You, I go to my hometown, mm -hmm. and I can't share that, you know, hey, we went, it was a spring break, we went to Hawaii. You cannot tell yeah. in Eastern Europe you went yeah. to Hawaii for a weekend mm -hmm. because, you know, you're stuck up. Right. And here it's not that, you know, it's more uh, affordable than going to Florida or somewhere else. So you go to Hawaii, right? But you mm -hmm. cannot... You cannot say that, right? Because that means you are really, really rich. Yeah. So I, I actually don't tell them I went to Hawaii. I, I, <laughs> I went to Eugene, <laughs> Corvallis is my. Yeah, you're, you're like I, w I got this tan from a really cold ocean yes. that I went to. <laughs> yeah. Cannon Beach. Yes. <laughs> the known for its palm trees. And... Exactly. But I understand yeah. the toning down. Yeah. That that is that is that is part of it. Um, yeah, I think for me it was like here you know i i couldn't get away from it in some ways i don't have an accent now but when i was young yeah. it took me a long time to learn english and of course my mom would send me to school with like yeah. pickled tomatoes and like <sighs> varenyki and like no way. just varenyki is a, uh, is it the dumplings yeah yeah it's a it's one of the types of dumplings yeah, that yeah, they yeah. have but uh yeah so here, people would be like, what are you eating? What is that? Why can't you say this word? Uh, roll, like rolling my R's. No, not rolling my R's. What's the opposite of slurring my R's? Slur, yeah, sl yeah, like yeah. the Pronouncing them. Pronouncing hard them. R. That's how I yeah. would do it. But mm -hmm. here, when you say words like literally, yeah. like that took me so long to learn. You don't have an accent right now. So yeah. that's, you know, yeah. I'm not jealous, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, and I think part of that is like the pressure to assimilate. It's like really learn, you know, I think subconsciously my developing brain was like learn yep. as much yep. as possible. But yeah, and then on the reverse to your point, going to uh, back to Ukraine, trying to seem as normal as possible. And I remember there was one time my, you know, you know, like the Soviet cars are like, they're terrifying. Yeah, yeah no, they're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they're so, they're scary. Um, and I, you know, grew up having to wear a seatbelt. Yes, and, no, yeah, yeah. And then going and driving with my uncle was a near-death experience every time. Yes. And being like, where's the seatbelt? Yes. And everyone was like, yeah, what that's... are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. You're so American. Why do you need a seatbelt? <laughs> yes, it's for weak people. Yes. Seatbelt, yeah. Yeah. Because you, you can crush uh, steel, you know, car manufacturing, whatever, penetrating your internal organs. <laughs> 
by just being tough uh, Ukrainian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I go back and I have an accent. Actually, some my W's and my V's uh, mm-hmm. change, and I speak like this, <laughs> and they hear it and uh, they comment on it. And after a few days, I lose it. Yeah. But yeah, you have to tone it down. And I and I say we live, you know, where you're from. You you then I say I'm from Atlantic Ocean because you are not really from Ukraine anymore, mm-hmm. and you're not really yet American, right? You didn't full arrive. Sounds like I'm right in the middle in Atlantic Ocean. That's how I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about Donetsk. Mm-hmm. What is going on? So I have some data, right? So Donetsk is a nine hundred thousand population. It was a city that was called Stalina and Stalin, right? Industrial steel plant city. And they have a huge depopulation. I heard like, it's almost like Detroit in that sense that people are leaving because there's not no more industries, jobs. And then the history was that, you know, it voted in 1991 to join Ukraine. And in 2014, the, you know, Russian separatists uh, took over that building if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then that's how all the trouble started because obviously Ukraine retributed uh, with bombing actually even civilians in 2014. And that didn't land well, right, with anybody who lives in that city. Right. When is the last time you went there? I was, I think it was 2010, I believe. I think that was the last time. Are you ethnically Russian or Ukrainian? I'm Ukrainian. Well, na- my nationality is Ukrainian, yeah. but because it's so close to the border, yeah. there's a lot of Russian speakers. Yes. There's a lot yeah, of yeah. yeah ethnic Russians. So are you ethnic Russian or are you Ukrainian? I mean, I've never been. So you speak Russian or Ukrainian? I speak predominantly Russian. So okay. my, my family and I speak Russian. Russian. Um, I understand Ukrainian and I yeah, yeah. S- can speak some Ukrainian, yes. but I grew up uh, speaking Russian. Okay. So my family's predominantly Russian speaking. So uh, yeah, I think that definitely adds a layer to... Complexities. Complexities. And to your point, um, you know, there's a lot of... Russian influence in that area. And I think right now the tension of being a Ukrainian who's Russian speaking and hearing stories from family where they feel like uh, they've been abandoned there since 2014. Yes. And um, from both sides. From both sides. From correct. both sides. Um, and so I think that's a narrative that. Um, we don't often hear and yep. it, it adds to the complexity of the, of the situation of the war of the invasion, I should say, uh, and how, yeah, the, the narrative that is being spun by, uh, Putin is that Russian speakers need to be protected. Yes. And I think the people there in some ways probably agree with that because they haven't, yep. they yep. feel, they feel that animosity that has been brewing in Ukraine because of the Russian influence that has been imposed on them. So rightfully so, right? There's a lot of animosity that is understandable. And I think it's really easy to sell a narrative to the Russian speakers in the region to say, well, look at the way that people treat us, us, look at the way that, that you're being perceived as so, I, I yeah. it's interesting. I didn't know that about you that you know you are 
speaking Russian because I want to say it's drastically when we started. I was like, no, that's not Ukrainian, that's Russian for hello. But then I also realized the biggest problem in 2014 was the referendum or was the was mm-hmm. the vote against uh, yeah. Russian language using in official mm-hmm. channels. And I just came from Canada and I'm so inspired because, you know, in that sense, you know, Canada is not so much fun as US, but <laughs> don't tell them. They're so nice. <laughs> they're so uh, nice. But they, 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 they agree they will have a French second language. Mm-hmm. And then you see, uh, they call it First Nations, indigenous people language on their signs too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just add that Russian to your languages because uh, propaganda never uses lies. They mm-hmm. take truth, which is Russian-speaking people should be allowed to speak Russian if they live in Donetsk. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not like solving world, w- wars here. Right. But simple idea that I have is like, hey, let them speak Russian. Let them use the culture mm-hmm. because they live here for centuries and everything. It's close to your language. It's not the English and, and French. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much closer than that. And then... And then you, they would avoid lots of that that Putin is using that they subjugate Russians, right? Yeah. Because you cannot fill up your forms in your language. It is a subjugation. It's no reason to invade the country, right? The way how they did it. So, so in that sense, the blame at the beginning was on both sides because if if Ukrainian cannot get, and I get it that they, you know, that they want to protect their identity, mm. but in the same way, in 1938 and nine. Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia when he says the Sudets, the Donetsk and, you know, the Pyrrhusian region of Czechoslovakia then, uh, there were uh, Germans living there for centuries. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, they're getting, uh, they cannot use the language and they're getting subjugated. We need to take over Sudets, right? And everybody's like, okay, we will avoid war, take them. And then a year later, they invaded Poland and the war broke out anyway. So... So the yeah. history repeats itself. And I was like, just give them the language. Yeah, I think it's, I think I agree with you. And I think it's more complicated than that, right? I mean, it always is yeah, yeah, yeah. because, um, you know, during the Soviet Union, there were periods of times where Ukrainian was prohibited. And there oh. was times where Ukrainian language and culture was... Illegal? Was being, yeah, I yeah. mean, it was it was being uh, prohibited... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I think also when we think about um, Holodomir and I think all of the different um, ways that Ukrainians have been oppressed by this, uh, you know, country, country. Yeah. I think that the adverse reaction to Russian influence is much deeper than just, um, you know, the unification yeah. the concept of unification and wanting it to be i think that there's been an ongoing repeated uh russian uh what's the word i'm looking for um when you impose something it, there's an uh russia has imposed its culture dominance and it's, yes it, they want it they have dominated yeah. thank you uh they've imposed their culture their language their values yeah. on so many of the neighboring countries but I think uh, Ukraine has felt so much of that. Yes. Um, I think Ukrainians have felt erased in their own culture. I think there's, you know, so much debate over who owns 
uh, Hapak, you know, the traditional Ukrainian dance. Who owns, you know, some... I, I have to Google that. Hapak. Hapak. You Never know that you've, I'm sure you've well, seen. I've been in, of it. in 90s in Eastern Europe in all dance parties mm-hmm. in the clubs, but we never dance Hapak. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's different. <laughs> yeah, the traditional dance, you know. Uh, and so I think there's been this, uh, this mindset that uh, if you know Russian, you are going to be more successful. Yep. Um, you have more business opportunities, right? Um, you are more educated. I think the narrative that was spun around Ukrainians in Russia was it's just like these hillbillies who are un underdeveloped mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're just farmers. And so yeah. there's a history of creating, um, of imposing yeah. you know, the Russian influence. So I think it's deeper than just language. I think it's just a uh, no, it's it's yeah. you're describing it really well because Holodomir was the famine in 30s, mm-hmm. and actually I, I I dig into it and I find out that actually uh, Russia industrialized because of Ukraine. Uh, they they took all the quotas that Ukraine farmers were supposed to deliver the wheat and corn and everything, mm-hmm. and they sold it abroad. Took the cash, Stalin took the cash, and built all the factories and the oil industry. Mm-hmm while the Ukrainians starved to death, like in millions of people. Yeah. And then I watched the Netflix Second World War. Anyway, I don't know why I do that. But I watched <laughs> that and the Ukrainians were waving at Nazis because uh, they welcomed them because they just went through a famine that was caused by this regime, evil regime. And they're like, oh, this is less evil, right? So the complexities of the right wing and Banderas and all these mm-hmm. It stems from really 1930s. And then when you Google the whole region, because I was like, Kievan Rus, Kievan Rus, 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 Kievan Rus, was the first Rus, Mm -hmm. was the Kievan. So I was like, actually, Russia should go under Ukraine and it should be all called Kievan Rus. Don't tell them, because Putin (laughs) is wrong historically, right? 11th century is like, oh, first Rus was actually Kiev. It was Ukrainian Rus, right? So it was like... And then Moscovitz took over and yeah. and every other year there was a huge war. Yes. Well, and that was the other the other talking point, right? Is that this was Ukraine belongs yeah. to Russia. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's uh interesting, you know, I don't know how how much you believe in like the genealogy of like a country or like a land, but mm-hmm. I think every space I mean, this might sound very like woo-woo of me, woo-woo. but I think <laughs> I think every space has uh, like a spirit attached to it, or maybe you know. I no, think, it's true. Yeah. I call it Genius Lotzi, and it's not you know it's Latin Genius Lotzi Loki, and it's a spirit of place. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I love it. Yeah, I think part of the you know I think uh, Ukrainian spirit. I think and in some ways we've seen that on display in the last. Mm-hmm. you know, year and a half, there is a kind of like a maverick, defiant, uh, Cossack. Cossack spirit that I think is still, uh, so obvious, yeah. uh, in the land. And yeah. I think that, um, y- you know, in some ways it's very traumatic to see your homeland, uh, in the news and portrayed in so many various yeah. ways, but I think I've gotten, I have felt a lot of pride um, in seeing the resistance and the unity and the, 
uh, like just a fight, you know, the scrappiness, I think, of Ukrainians. And I think that's part of that. Uh, yeah, the Cossack spirit I, that we were talking about. I watched about. lots of strategy movies and I follow Telegram, which, you know, I don't know if you have Telegram. My my parents have Telegram, so yeah. I always hear a I, lot. I have every, <laughs> everything is on the on GoPro video. You mm -hmm. can watch. Unfortunately, I stopped, you know, watching the really brutal ones. Yeah. But at the beginning of the war, there were dudes in an SUV in your Subaru four dudes jump into Subaru and stop, you know, the, the invasion of that airport near, near Kiev. Mm -hmm. And then they jump back into that and move away. They just, you know, shoot down the first plane and the Russians turn around and they actually stop the full invasion of Kiev. Yeah. And it's just dudes in an SUV. Yeah. <laughs> or just the videos of like, you know, little babushki, like the grandmas going yeah. up and just talking to soldiers, grabbing yes. them by the ear and we're like, hey, why you be behaving in my country? Right. Yeah. 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 I saw, I think I saw, a, I don't know if this was real because I saw it on like Twitter or something or I guess X, but uh, like a grandma threw a jar of uh, pickles at a drone or something like that, knocked it out of the sky. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's just the spirit, you know, of the Kazakh spirit that you're talking to. But going back to your first question, I, I don't know yeah. what relations I have to mm -hmm. Kazakhs, but you know, I do know I have some Greek. My grandpa was Greek and... Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's got Greek roots. Yeah. yeah no, so. but that's Europe, right? We all mixed and I'm always shocked then when I see these like, you know, divisions because mm -hmm. I'm like, nobody, you know, there's no, none of that. We are really mixed in the centuries and all that. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about real quick. How was it when you came here? When I came here, I was so young. I was in over my head with learning the language, yeah. understanding uh, social cues, uh, understanding the culture. Yeah, I think even with my friends who are here, very few of them are first generation like me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think like we talked about earlier, the pressure to assimilate was really big. You come to Portland? Yes. You yeah. came on, a, what was it, visa, a lottery? We, yes, the diversity visa. Oh, My nice. mom won. Uh, so you packed your bags. Packed our bags. Uh, we we were going to move to uh, Brooklyn, to Brighton Beach, which is a very big Ukrainian, yeah. uh, Russian. Yes, New York just, is yeah. the biggest. Yeah. 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 Um, Brighton Beach specifically has oh, the, wow. the biggest population. Um, but my dad had a friend here. Uh, and you know, it was so much more affordable to live in Oregon at the time. Um, still is. Yes. Well, yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, we forget great. that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we moved here and my parents loved it. They thought it was beautiful. They loved, um, the trees, they loved mm -hmm, the nature. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we ended up staying in the Clackamas area. Mm -hmm. Um, so I spent the majority of my life here mm -hmm. and yeah, I think I had, a lot of friends who were Ukrainian, uh, who were Russian. But so there was a community for you? There was, nice. yeah. I think, uh, but I went to public school. So I learned very quickly, you know, I need to learn this language. Yeah. I need to figure it out. And I think, um, you know, my parents also needed me to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to learn way faster yeah. than them. So yeah. Um, yeah. So there was a second grade. 
you jump into the first or second grade? I think I was in the middle of kindergarten. Then you went in. Yeah. That's still okay, but it's yeah. traumatic. Yeah. 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 I think um, my teachers had so much patience. Oh, nice. They were very kind. Um, but I did have some traumatic moments in, yeah, in yeah, yeah. elementary school that still stick with me. Yeah. Um, and especially the alphabet, because the alphabet is so confusing. And the Russian is the Russian alphabet. No, I'm serious. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, the I'm... Russian alphabet is actually so easy to. No. It's it's so easy to learn to read because it's all phonetic. That's it is. Not, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was confusing is like silent letters. Silent letters is so confusing, but also, uh, like this. You know, in Russian, you have a C. Yeah. And it just makes the s noise. Yeah. Why do why in English do you have an S, but then you also have C. a C, and There's why does K. it make the same noise, yeah. and why does it sometimes make a Cook. K noise? Yeah, cooking, <laughs> cooking, right? Yeah. C and K both sounds the yeah. same. Yeah. So uh, and then I, you know, would get in trouble a lot because um, in my name I have an N, uh, but in Russian the N is backwards and it's a makes the E noise. Yes, E. So I would write my letters backward all the time. It's I, right? Yeah. Opposite N is I. Mm -hmm. That's how I learn it. Yeah. Yeah. So how is it now? Tell me why you have such a wonderful job at Nike, which mm -hmm. we all love here in Portland. Yes. You are senior administrator for enterprise analytics data engineering. So yes. what do you what data are you guys engineering there? The enterprise data. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you making money for Nike? <laughs> I you... hope so. I uh, I I hope so, so that you know my bonus can yeah can come. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I are you asking how I started at Nike or no? How is it? I I, yeah. I like Nike, so I, I do too. So. Yeah. I previously I have worked at small nonprofits, yeah, faith based nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Nike was a very great transition to me because I went from, you know, never having funding, doing the job of like, you know, five people, people. Yeah. <laughs> to going to a huge company that, you know, I'm not having to very rarely am I starting, am, am I needed to create something out of scratch? There's yeah. already processes in place. Yeah. They really have a way to pull talents from, you know, different, uh, different companies and then pull them together and then they make you a little bit uncomfortable as mm -hmm. an employee yeah so that is actually what you know what brings the most value when you're yeah. a little bit uncomfortable that when you do your best right when you're comfortable you you're just not stretching yourself enough yeah yeah so i like that about a company it's yeah. great i think for me i have so much gratitude because you know my mom and dad they work labor-intensive jobs they're been here for over 20 years at this point, but, uh, you know, the English language is so hard. Uh, and so my mom's still, she works as a janitor. My dad works as a carpenter and being at a place like Nike, um, where, you know, I'm on a computer, I'm not breaking yeah. my body. Um, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. And I think that has served me, um, in yeah. getting to the place where I am now. I, I think this is a great description of immigrants. Mm -hmm. First of all, your parents did it for you and then yes. you are still immigrant and you have that, 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 you know, that appreciation and almost like a humbleness is part of that experience as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny because I was actually talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about like the self-actualization that I think a lot of people uh my age, you know, the the narrative is always like what do you want to do? What do you what are you passionate about? Go do that thing. And I I respect that. At the same time, that was not the mindset that I've been raised with. It's like a job is a job and you should do your job well yep. and you can't really expect it to fulfill you. And I think thinking about, you know, my grandma who she studied to be a chemist, but she ended up working at a factory for yep. the majority of her life. Yep. My mom, she wanted to be an engineer and my dad was a business person and, uh, you know, they've worked labor intensive jobs. And so for me, again, I think that that mindset has aided me in uh yeah. in gratitude in just valuing hard work uh, the people that let's say follow your passion i always watch where are they and who they are mm -hmm. right and it's mm -hmm. like oh you made it because your parents gave you starting capital or yes. you know you went through ivy league school your effort or maybe you know legacy or whatever mm -hmm. and i look at when, when their journey is and it's like yeah people like that say that i don't yeah. say that either yeah Because I was like, you know, life is way more difficult than just follow your passion. And it's also uh, very egoistic, right? Like yeah. it's my passion. I was like, what about your sick uh, family member? What about yeah. your children? They need this, right? Yeah. What about the people that need your expertise and cannot pay you? Yeah. So all yeah. that stuff is, is, is yeah. yeah, it's, it looks great on Instagram. So let's, let's leave it. <laughs> You know what? Let's pick on my husband since he's here. Uh, so much of the food we eat is pickled, has, you know, vinegar. Yes. Has mayonnaise. Guess which two of the, he hate, he hates nothing more than vinegar and yeah. mayonnaise. <laughs> so when he comes over, you know, my, my mom's always like, okay, the two things yeah. that he loves is fried you know the fried yeah. meat bread that we have yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're gonna have that every single time oh no that, that uh, means that she likes him oh yeah yeah that's not bad no they love him which because is good. you know you would immediately know yeah. that something's wrong because yeah. he got pickled on his table yes but on his plate. we also have the gelatin uh the meat like the meat gelatin dish Oh, that was so gross. Yeah. To, we call it uh, aspic. Uh, it was, yeah. And then we had a Russian egg, mm -hmm. which was a mayonnaise with egg. Yep. So that's yeah. also, right? So. And I, I've always hated it. My, you know, my parents love it. My mom would make like four trays of it. And then it's like, oh, I can't even think about it. So I, <laughs> I always, I always order mayonnaise with my fries and I see the fear and disgust <laughs> of the server. And I said, I'm European. And they like, <laughs> completely changes like yeah. oh okay that makes yeah. sense and they bring it and they're fine yeah but yeah. i gotta get mayonnaise with my fries that's, yeah you yeah know. i will i think that's that's kind of the thing that i love most about americans is they're so i think you know we're, we there's a reputation that it's very intolerant and it, obviously there's a lot of mm -hmm. issues that we have uh in this country but i i find that americans are very curious yes um my husband bless his heart is always willing to try mm -hmm. the mayonnaise salad and the vinegar oh. on, you know, so I think that's always been something that, um, my parents really appreciated. Um, and that I always appreciate, I think there's like a genuine curiosity that sometimes comes off as, 
you know, nosiness or maybe judgmental, but I, I find that it's genuinely just people curious. They want to know. I think we've talked about this before, but there is a kind of a general cynicism that I think is really prevalent in Eastern Europe. Um, and I think Americans have mostly an optimism mm -hmm. that I think can be very annoying <laughs> to yes. other countries. Yes. But I think that if you're a foreigner here and you're traveling, most people, you know, have good experiences when they travel here, yes. at least from what I've heard from my friends yeah. who are foreign. So. Yeah. No, all my family members come here and then they go back. And the one thing saying that is like, people are so nice there. Right? Mm -hmm. I was like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, like you expected Americans <laughs> running with, you know, guns around. <laughs> but then Yeah, you, yeah, that's true. So yeah. that is a misconception. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost like an issue of branding for Americans. They are really curious. They are so friendly. Yeah. And I think it's, I think because we're known for being individualistic in the U.S. and not, you know, as devoted to like the, the nuclear and extended, we're devoted to the nuclear family, but... I think, you know, in in the Ukrainian culture, you're very devoted to your extended family mm -hmm. um, and that loyalty is really deep. Um, but I think because it's known for being so individualistic, people say that as like, I don't care about anybody or, or any stranger. It's like, no, I think people do. They're willing to engage maybe more so than yeah. other cultures. Yeah. And I, I, I really love that, actually. Last question. Any advice for people in Ukraine that think about moving to U.S.? What would you tell them or what would you, is there anything that you would advise or? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I actually had some friends who've moved here recently. Um, and I think they were very ill prepared for the amount of, um, I think, just bureaucracy that is mm -hmm. here. Um, there's so many things to navigate in terms of forms and uh, uh, rules and debt and understanding like credit. Mm -hmm. um, so I think familiarizing yourself with those things, those were some of the biggest hurdles for my parents. Mm -hmm. And now for me as a young adult, <laughs> yeah, it's also so daunting, I think. So I would say familiarizing and getting an understanding how many uh, hurdles there. There's so much opportunity here, but there are these really little hurdles that um, compound, I think. And mm -hmm. so that would be, you know, a really big piece of advice. I think, too, for people who have kids, the balance of, uh, you know, because I, I was a kid when I came here, I think keeping in touch with family is really important. And um, I think celebrating the culture that you're, fr that you're, you're coming in with and having instilling so much pride I think now it's a little bit easier than it was when I mm -hmm. immigrated here with my parents. I think there wasn't as much exposure. I think it can feel really lonely um, when you're like, oh, I'm the only, you yeah. know, Ukrainian yep. in my school. And I, I, I feel like I have to belong. I feel like I have to hide mm -hmm. parts of myself. So being intentional about celebrating where you're from um, is really important. So... Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Alina is from yeah. Ukraine and uh, <laughs> I think it went well. All right. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks this for was, having me. I think we need three more hours. This was very nice. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon again. Yes. 